listening to Closer Look. Statistics vary, but somewhere between 5 to 8% of Americans have PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, that number jumps to as high as 30% for veterans of the armed forces, and 22 suicides occur every day across America from those in the veteran population. I'm Bob Dittman. Our guest is Ryan Rogers of PTSD Foundation of America. Glad to be here. Ryan, how would someone know they have PTSD? It has to be tied to some kind of traumatic event to where over a period of time they keep exhibiting certain symptoms that uh, are related to post-traumatic stress disorder. And what might those symptoms be? Reliving the experience over and over again? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Suicidal ideation, anxiety, anger, depression, isolation, substance abuse, fear, guilt, shame, paranoia. Who gets PTSD? First thing we must understand, too, is there's like two separate things. You have what's called PTS, which is post-traumatic stress, and you have uh, PTSD, what's called post-traumatic stress disorder. PTS is something that most people encounter whenever they have, you know, some type of traumatic event in their life, and that's stressful. It doesn't develop into post-traumatic stress disorder until it is a prolonged, you know, reaction to the event. Another thing to think about, too, with the post-traumatic stress disorder diagnosis is one person's diagnosis is not going to look the same as another person's because they could be struggling with different things. So if a person doesn't cognitively remember the event that leads to PTS or PTSD, how do they realize they might have a problem? It comes down to the the symptoms, like, you know, reactions for sure. So is anger part of this as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it's anger for no, like, real apparent reason, you know, like a normal kind of everyday function. Someone drops a plate or something, and then you just you fly off the handle. So it's not a normal type of reaction to anger. Usually it's an explosive anger. What about guilt? Very much so. The questions that raise up when it regards to guilt is, could I have done something different? Could I have prevented this? It's always a... I should have done something different or I should have known how to prevent XYZ. What are some of the other health conditions associated with PTSD? The mind and the body are are very, very closely connected. And an individual who has guilt or shame or stress or any of these other underlying conditions have a an effect on them physically. Paranoia. Paranoia could have a, an effect on them because they may think that something is in their food and they're not going to be properly nourished. So the, the mental disorders oftentimes have a, a significant impact on their physical body because where the brain goes, the body follows. Could cardiovascular disease be part of that too? An individual who is having post-traumatic stress disorder and especially untreated PTSD, their body is constantly on high alert. So the the adrenals are going. I mean, the body is working overtime in order just to do normal everyday functions. I know this is a little bit of a catch-all question, but how is it treated? There is multiple, multiple ways that it can be treated. There's alternative kind of therapies. You have horticultural therapy, equine therapy, pet therapy, talk therapy, EMDR, some clinical treatments to it. 
So there is a lot of different avenues that an individual can find to help with PTSD because it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all. What one person responds to amazingly well is not necessarily going to be that same thing that another person responds to. So once they know that they need to get treatment, what's really the next step? They need to call somebody, they need to talk to somebody, right? There's so many different avenues that a person can utilize in order to get help from that. Your pastor oftentimes can really kind of help you out with guilt or shame. The worst thing in the world to do is to isolate and not talk to anyone about it. However, to make sure that it's somebody good with counseling, that they know what they're talking about, and they're not going to steer you in the wrong direction. Well, Ryan, if the PTSD event was a long time back, is it ever too late to do anything about it? Absolutely not. Just to give you an example, we have some Vietnam-era veterans that we serve at Camp Hope. And these guys have been utilizing unproductive coping mechanisms for 30-plus years because of their unresolved PTSD. And it takes a little while to get some of these unproductive coping mechanisms undone. One thing that is very distinctly different about military individuals as opposed to civilian individuals is that military individuals, while they're in, they always have a sense of purpose. And oftentimes that is lost when they leave military service. So if you don't have a sense of purpose, you go to seek to find a sense of purpose. And then if you have unresolved issues on top of that, it's almost back and forth, consistently back and forth. Where's my purpose? Wherever am I at in life? And that's why moral injury comes into play. This is not something that is typically dealt with in clinical settings. So in the United States, whether we ascribe to it or not, the basis of the United States is founded upon a Judeo-Christian belief system. And in that Judeo-Christian belief system, there's the Ten Commandments. In the Ten Commandments, one of those is, Thou shalt not kill. Even in the instance of defending oneself against a, an enemy combatant, whenever an individual is confronted with something that challenges something that they've had within their life, in their moral fiber, and their moral makeup, it's going to affect them. And a lot of these individuals who are exposed to combat, that in itself, they get to see the depravity of man firsthand. And that really challenges a lot of their inner core belief systems that they thought that they had nailed down. And now it's just everything is in disarray. So the only way to really kind of treat, you know, moral injury is to really kind of get to the crux of, you know, where is this shame coming from? Where is this guilt? And then the identification of where morality comes from and getting them back to the core of embracing a, a spirituality that really helps them get through that process and understanding that there is a, a higher power that is, you know, walking them through this process. If you're a veteran in crisis or you're concerned about one, Free confidential support is available 24-7. You can call the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. That's 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. All right, let's change gears a little bit. Will everyone who experiences a life-threatening event develop PTSD? No. Everyone will not develop PTSD. So is PTSD linked to a personality type? Studies have not been able to determine it linked to a personality type.
personality type. There's no difference if you're an introvert or an extrovert. It just is something that happens. Yes. What about differences in age or maybe the part of the country the soldier comes from? Age doesn't really play that much of a factor as we think it does, especially in the veteran population. The veteran population is very unique when it comes to that. You could have a World War II veteran, a Vietnam veteran, a Korean veteran, and an Iraq veteran sitting all at the same table. And it is an amazing dynamic to watch the, the four of them communicate with each other like they were in the same you know, conflict or time as they all were. It's, it's just the most amazing dynamic that I've ever seen that passes all age, that passes all demographic or area that they served. So there's a commonality that is shared within that veteran population that is very similar in nature when it comes to treatment across the age spectrum. It's not a matter of preparation or, or personality, but what could it be? When an individual goes into the military, it is an, a minimum of an eight-week training period for them to reshape you and remold you to become a soldier, an airman, a marine, a sailor. So if I am taught to think, act, and be a certain way for years, it is unrealistic to think that in a two-week to three-week period, I can undo what has been done for that time frame and then expect an individual to just bounce back and be all fine and hunky-dory like nothing happened during that process. So I often say that we were taught how to turn it on, but never taught how to turn it off. When veterans come home, sometimes they face another issue because quite a few of them join law enforcement or fire departments or some sort of first responder situation. Could that add to PTSD issues? Absolutely. One of the things that I would really love to see changed within the culture of the military and first responders and law enforcement is the same exact approach that is done to physical issues. So, for example, if you have an individual who breaks his arm in the military or as a police officer, you throw a cast on it, their duty position is assigned and, and probably a little bit different than what they do. They may get desk duty, but they're not going to be shamed because they've you know sought assistance to get care for their physical wound. Now, reverse it and look at it from a mental health wound or things that they're struggling with. Oftentimes, they do not have the ability or they're not afforded the ability to talk about some of the things that they're struggling with. They could potentially lose their job. They could be shamed, not only from their command, but also from their peers. So there is such a negative stigma in both military circles and in a lot of paramilitary circles that really prevent an individual from talking about it. So let's talk suicide. What's being done about it? I really do have to applaud the most recent efforts that the VA is doing across the United States. Seems like within the last two to three years, they've really kind of branched out and done some things. Veteran suicide was always a VA issue. And now they've reached out to the community partners and said, hey, you know, we only serve 30% of the veteran population and we need your help. So that is a, an amazing thing that is being done by the V themselves. And another part of it is too, is really kind of raising awareness and saying that it is okay to talk about some of the things that you're struggling with, because it's much better to talk about it and you stay alive than you not talk about it and potentially get to the point to where you, you take your own life. And, and no one wants that. 
Why do you think many veterans think they should be able to handle it all by themselves? Because they've been conditioned to think that way. The key terminology used in the Army is that you suck it up and you drive on. You continue, you continue, you continue, you continue. Eventually, you get to a point to where you cannot continue any longer. You replay this false narrative in your mind that says, I'm a burden to everyone around me. I'm better off by myself. No one understands what I'm going through. I can handle this. I can do it on my own. My training will help me because that's what the military trains you to do. And in a combat environment, that is absolutely essential. That's vital. However, in a non-combat environment, when an individual transitions out of the military, that becomes detrimental. I can get over this because time somehow is going to wipe out this trauma. Yeah, oftentimes time is the enemy. The longer an individual faces them, usually they, they get worse. They typically don't get better over time if not dealt with. So if a veteran or a family member suspects the vet has PTSD, what's the next step for them to get help? For a combat veteran, because those are who we serve at the PTSD Foundation of America, can go on our website at ptsdusa.org. What's the background there? What's the history? PTSD Foundation of America was originally started in 2005. In 2012, there was a major shift for us as an organization. We started what's called Camp Hope. Camp Hope is a residential treatment facility for veterans struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder. And what we found is that a lot of the veterans who are really struggling or having a lot of complex trauma and complex post-traumatic stress disorder, it takes much longer than, you know, a weekend or a 30-day period in order to undo a lot of these damaging coping mechanisms that they've been dealing with or utilizing to deal with the trauma that they're facing. So we started Camp Hope, and then we branched out into what are called uh, warrior groups or chapters. And these are held in different locations, and you can go on our website and find those locations. Those are peer-to-peer support groups that are helping thousands and thousands of combat vets and their families struggling with PTSD. You're in the middle of a doctoral thesis, aren't you? Yes. Tell us about it. About six years ago, I had lost three of my veteran comrades in a three-week period. The first two hit pretty hard. One of them I deployed with, another one I worked with. The third one just, it just set me into a tailspin. He was my counselor. My counselor had killed himself. Throughout a lot of different talking with other individuals, I'd come to discover that, you know, what he taught me, he didn't utilize himself. My thesis is the suicidality among veterans and the root causes. If an individual is struggling mentally, there's a lot of shame, guilt, and potential other ramifications that come along with an individual who wants to seek help. If an individual has a top-secret clearance and they have a mental health issue, they could lose their top-secret clearance. They could lose potential for rank, their job. They could get medically discharged from the military. There is so many negative repercussions tied to that. When it doesn't have to be that way, the late 90s, the Air Force did a suicide prevention model to where it started from the general and it worked its way down to where the Air Force command just really put it out there. It says, hey, if you're struggling, get help. It was so successful that within two-year period, it lowered the average happened yearly basis from 18 to 2. I don't know why they stopped utilizing it. 
I believe that that is the the starting point to really kind of recondition them to let them know that it is okay to seek help, to get help from some of the things. And you don't have to struggle alone. That is the worst thing ever. Don't struggle alone. There's nothing wrong with having, you know, mental health struggles to where you feel like you need to talk to somebody. There's too much at stake. Your life is way too important for you to not talk to somebody about what you're struggling with. If you're a veteran in crisis or you're concerned about one, free confidential support is available 24-7. You can call the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. That's 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Ryan Rogers of the PTSD Foundation of America has been our guest. Ryan, thanks for being our guest on Closer Look. Well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you. For a closer look, I'm Bob Dittman.